Fab Lab Podcast, Episode 74, Canary in the Coal Mine. Welcome to the Fab Lab, the stone industry's only podcast dedicated exclusively to the business side of your stone shop, where we focus on improving operations inside the business so we can experience more life outside of it. So let's get down to business. Welcome back to another episode of the Fab Lab Podcast. I'm your host, Aaron Crowley, here with my co-host... Wesley Rice. Man, good to be back with you. Ah, fantastic to be back here. Hey, Aaron, I got a question for you. Okay. In the stone shop, what is, as an owner, what is the number one thing you're worried about? Am I going to have enough sales to fill the calendar? Ah, yes. So it's not stone breaking (laughs) or it's not how the seam looks. I mean, those are important. No. But as an owner, the question is... That's a good question. The sales. I was not expecting that. <laughs> Interesting you should ask me about that on this episode, Wes. <laughs> Nicely done. <laughs> no, it's feeding the monster. 20-plus mm-hmm. employees here, payroll coming every two weeks. Sales are the number one, always the number one challenge, always the number one consideration. Are we filling the calendar? That's a great question. Because that monster has to be fed all the time, but the, yeah. everyone else, the crew, might not think of it like yeah. that. They're thinking about cutting the seam placement, yep. installing the backsplash and whatnot. It dominates. It is the number one concern. Number one, uh, yeah, number one issue. Because if you don't have sales, then you don't have anything to do. The rest of it's meaningless. All these <laughs> other conversations matter. about business are sort of pointless. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> if you there's nobody to manage if you can't pay their, you know, yeah, salary. Mm-hmm. And they're not going to stick around if you can't pay the salary. And if you don't have those jobs coming in, deposits coming in, balances being paid, yeah, it's it's all... Uh, how do you measure that? How do you set up to be... Uh, how do you monitor that? Well, I'll say that I came face-to-face with that reality in November of 2007 when things collapsed. We were not tracking sales. We weren't tracking, quote, volume. We were just flying by the seat of our pants because we always had more work coming in then we had time. And so it was, I didn't even know I needed to be tracking any of that stuff. And so you quote, you follow up, you close it, you schedule it, you get paid and on to the next one. And then all of a sudden things turned the other direction and we were scrambling trying to understand, number one, what was happening to us because we were just upside down. We started losing money and it was probably about May the following year where we, where we fully started understanding by digging into that relationship between sales and quote volume and the calendar and the number of dollars we were generating, that's where the 3D view that we've talked about here on the Fab Lab podcast, it came out of that panic. Like if we don't solve this problem, this equation, this mystery, we're not going to be in business. And so there was very much a relationship between the number of dollars that we were generating through our work in a calendar month, which were reflective of, of the jobs that we sold and scheduled, which were ultimately reflective of what we quoted. And so I, I would trace it all the way back to that mm-hmm. um, and that understanding. And now it's very much a part of just like any other practice in the business, any other skill, any other you know, process, you know, that relationship and tracking and watching the relationship between quote volume, closed sales, scheduling, and then the number of dollars we generate in a calendar month through that work. You know, the, the actual other side of the business, the templating, fabricating, installing, servicing, and collecting. So that, uh, yeah, the quote volume is really where it originates. Um, that's where you, you really have your first official interaction with the client. Um, 
I mean, if you haven't quoted it yet, it's it's just a conversation with a potential customer. But once you've quoted it, now the game has begun. And what you do ultimately dictates whether or not the job's closed, scheduled, fabricated, installed, and collected on so that you can pay all those bills. So Make- what's, what's the life cycle of going from a, a, a bid or a quote to getting the sale to installing to getting final payment? It sounds like by the time you realize maybe there's a problem, if you don't have anything on the schedule, it... Well, and that's, you know, in, interestingly enough, one of the most popular podcasts from the first season was the Feast or Famine topic that we discussed. And, and what happens with a lot of companies is they get a lot of work and then they get completely fixated on getting all that work done. Meanwhile, that other side of the business, the quoting and the selling and the scheduling, sort of takes a back seat to getting all those other jobs in. And next thing you know, those jobs get done. And then they're starting to go, oh, wow. And it, it just, it's, just, it's a cycle. Mm-hmm. It's an ebb and flow, very common in, in construction in particular. Um, and and there, are, there are seasons for countertop manufacturing where it's more busy than, than other times. But generally speaking, that, that, that cycle in and of itself, the sales cycle, if you're not watching both at all times, that's kind of the experience you're likely to have is, is you'll sell a bunch of work, get it scheduled. Well, now I got to focus on getting it done. And then it kind of sneaks up on you um, sometimes without warning. Oh, crap. Why don't we have any work on the schedule? And then the panic sets in because those bills still have to be paid. The rent or the mortgage has still got to be paid. That staff still expects to be paid. And so, yeah, this relationship between quote volume, the sales cycle, sales scheduling and installing so important especially you know kind of coming off the heels of last week's episode our interview with jeffrey grant talking about sales uh, you know with this is such an important topic to discuss and so those are some good questions that you hit me with uh, unexpected <laughs> nicely done nicely played co-host <laughs> so that's what we're going to talk about today this you know title of the podcast the canary in the coal mine really hits on exactly what you're what you're peppering me with these questions <laughs> You know, quote volume and that sales cycle and how does it play into that? Because it very much is a leading indicator. And when you understand how important it is to be focused on that at all times, even though you're having to get the jobs done, you've got to be watching your quote volume. And every business is probably a little bit different to a certain extent. Our countertop business, 70, probably 65% retail, 35% small remodeling contractor cabinet shop. We find on average it's about a probably three to four week sales cycle. Now, some of them we close right away. Some of them we close longer term. But typically, it's about a month. What we quote this month is really going to largely be reflected in what we, what we close next month. And because people's schedules being what they are, the current calendar being what it is, then it's typically another three to four weeks before the, the bulk of that work is actually on the calendar being installed and billed and collected on. So for our company, it's uh, you know, it's a one month to two month sales cycle. And that's the to me the the amazing aspect of this is it is a leading indicator. Your quote volume actually, if you're tracking it, it is telling you what you're going to be inst- it's telling our business what we're gonna install two months from now. And so that reality, that insight is what we want to talk about today on the Fab Lab podcast. If you're familiar with that feast or famine experience this little technique this insight this view of your business is really helpful and so we're going to get into that today and kind of talk about the 
the the specifics of it and more broadly speaking kind of the general value of of watching and tracking your quote volume um, so that you've got a better idea what's coming down the pike um, especially for us you know heading into winter December January February those are always the three slowest months for our company um, in our you know in the northwest where we work and with our customer base you know if you're doing lots of commercial it's going to look very different if you're doing lots of like production home you know new construction it's going to look a little bit different if you're all flooring store it's going to look so it's going to it's going to change depending on on who your market is and and you know your geography but generally speaking this principle is true no matter who your customer is and it's important this is it's it's good times right now in the countertop industry building home values you know all that stuff it's we're, we're kind of on a the ascendancy but it will not last uh there's going to be a correction to the stock market everybody's saying it. it's just a matter of when not that it's going to be a collapse like we had 10 12 years ago but there's going to be a correction um and as it relates to making decisions today um it's nice to have that view of looking what, what, what do things really look like a month or two down the road so we're going to get into that today before we do, though, I want to mention a word from our sponsor, FabricatorsFriend.com. So I don't want to spend too much time on this, but on Friday, our donkey escaped from the pen. <laughs> I went to leave for work, and our donkey's out in the front yard. I'm like, okay, this will take me like three minutes. I'll go grab some grain, shake it. He'll come in. I'll throw a halter on him, and I'll put him back in. I still don't know how he got out. But last Friday morning, it was like 31 degrees. Well, I went to try and grab him, and he decided to take off down the driveway. Then I got down to the driveway. He took a left onto our road, and then it was long story short. took my wife and I about an hour. We had to drive down the road, and it was cold, and I wasn't dressed for it. And so at first glance, I thought, oh, I'll just I, – I had a, a light flannel on, a vest on. No gloves, no stocking cap, you know, nothing. It's frosty everywhere. And by the time I got halfway down the road and realized I got to turn around and go home and get dressed, get my wife, get in the car and drive down here and catch this animal, uh, it got me thinking about working in a stone shop, you know, depending on where you're at. It is so cold. And I was also remembering of the days back when we didn't run hot water through our air polishers. I can remember being so cold that our air polishers would freeze up. And when that happened, it was like we had to shop, and we would just it, we we conclude it's too cold to work in the shop. And so, if you have fabricators, finishers, sawyers, machine operators working out in your shop right now, I want to encourage you to consider how cold it is in the winter time when you are wet, and if you're not running hot water through your machines, it is it, it it's cold on a on just a whole another level to be miserable and if your employees are miserable if you see telltale signs like they're taking masking tape and masking taping the sleeves of their uh, rain jackets you know to their wrist simply because they're trying to stay dry because if they're dry they're going to be a little bit warmer it is time for you to consider visiting fabricatorsfriend.com checking out a pair of stone sleeves to help them stay warm and dry and more comfortable and ultimately more productive this winter as you cut and polish those countertops you can also see fab jackets at fabricatorsfriend.com this is like unbelievable when you're talking about working in an undermount sink where that water is not only otherwise running down your sleeves soaking your sweatshirt causing you to be cold for the rest of the day that water is shooting straight up in the air and then raining down on top of you so not only are your sleeves wet your head's wet your shoulders are wet your back is wet the fab jacket eliminates that entirely 
combination of like the bulletproof apron, thousand denier cordura. It's got Gore-Tex material, so it breathes, but it's got the stone sleeve sleeves on it. So your wrists are sealed with the dry suit technology, keeping your, your arms and your, your garments underneath the jacket completely dry. It breathes so you don't get sweaty. You stay warm and you stay comfortable and you stay more productive. So if you got guys that are freezing cold out in your fab shop and you'd like them to enjoy their job a little bit better, check out fabricatorsfriend.com and get them a pair of stone sleeves this Christmas, this Thanksgiving, or get them a fab jacket. They will thank you. And they'll probably return the favor by higher productivity, more output. So anyway, visit fabricatorsfriend.com today. Now back to our episode, Canary in the Coal Mine. What do I mean by that, Wes? I don't know. I was kind of wondering myself. I, I like the title, but I'm not quite sure what that means. I've, I've heard uh, heard stories, but how does that relate to this? Well, if, if you know mining, and I don't know it very well, but you're deep underneath the earth, carbon monoxide, carbon dioxide. If, it, if there's a problem, the guys down in the mine shaft, if, if the, the clean air is cut off for whatever reason... They're so far from the entrance of, the, of the, the mine that they would never make it out in time. They would suffocate. And so they would put a canary, which had much smaller lungs, much smaller. And if that canary dropped dead, they'd know that was a leading indicator. Shoot, there's something wrong with the air. And that would give them time to get out of the mine before they asphyxiated or suffocated or, or you know ran out of clean air to, to live on. And so that's the, the canary in the coal mine. I got another story that I was really thinking about when I learned to drive, I'm currently teaching my 15-year-old son, who already knows everything about driving. Obviously, he's 15. <laughs> yeah, they know everything. Oh, gal. <laughs> but when I was learning to drive, my dad told me this story, and he used this phrase, driving through the windshield of the car in front of you. And he would, he, the story was, I never forgot this. What am I, 43 now? So I was 15 then. Whatever the math is on that, it's been a few years. I've never forgot this metaphor, this analogy. And I've used it to teach my daughter, who's 18, who's been driving for a few years, and now I'm teaching my son driving through the windshield of the car in front of you. And so he ba- the basic story was was if you're watching the taillights of the car in front of you, and that's all you're watching, and something happens in front of them, it's a delayed reaction. Their reaction is delayed, and you don't see it until their brake lights come on. And so your, del- you know, your reaction is delayed as well. And so he told me this story. Uh, when he was a young man, he was up in Seattle driving absolutely miserable, normal Northwest winter in the mm-hmm. you know Northwest weather in the winter time. It's dark, pouring down rain. You can't see. He was on I five, and he was following this principle. He was actually watching the taillights of the cars through the windshield of the car in front of him, and he just had a he saw the taillights in the car in front of the car he was following bump up. Well, the car in front of him then bumped up. But seeing the car in front of the car in front of him, he knew he hit, they hit something. Was it a log? Was it a, you know, didn't know what it was. My dad barely had enough time, the delayed and then the delayed reaction. You know, since the two delayed reactions, he barely had enough time to swerve. He was in the fast lane, the left-hand lane, I-5. Well, what it turned out, this is a little gruesome, but somebody had attempted to cross the freeway and was hit by a car, like two cars in front, or three cars in front. The car, two cars in front of my dad, hit that person. The car right in front of my dad hit that person as well. Mm. My dad had just enough warning to violently swerve to the right and barely, and the guy was killed. Ah, man. And so that just stuck with me, this principle. If you're simply watching the taillights of the car in front of you, things may happen so fast that you may not have time to react. And if my dad had been simply watching the car in front of him, 
he probably would have hit that poor individual as well. Ah. Terrible. I mean, it was terrible. It was less terrible because he was able to avoid it. Mm-hmm. It's a completely different story for his history, if you will. Yeah. You know, completely different story for me to hear as a kid. And so the canary in the coal mine driving through the windshield of the car in front of you, how does that relate to our topic today? Well, it, it relates very directly. Quote volume is the canary in the coal mine. It's like driving. It's like a crystal ball. It's a leading indicator, depending on your sales cycle, of what your calendar is going to look like month and a half, two months, three months, maybe six months down the road, depending on the type of work that you do. And so that's the metaphor. That's the analogy today is, and why it is so critical to be tracking your quote volume. If you're going to avoid, if you're going to escape the feast or famine cycle, that's one thing. Being fixated on quote volume, it just keeps you in that mindset. I got to always be quoting. I got to always be selling. I can't let the the urgency of the schedule pull me away from continuing to sell jobs and put them on the schedule to, you know, to schedule to feed the monster. But at the same time, when you're talking about strategic decision-making, when you're talking about having enough advanced warning of things changing, good or bad, and this cuts both ways, tracking your quote volume gives you that advanced notice, that radar, hey, something's changing here. If your quote volume all of a sudden dips, so that's that's how it relates today. That's the canary in the coal mine, your quote volume. Uh, so a couple of things about quote volume. Does that answer your question? It does. It, it's interesting to see how being able to have a little bit of time can have a yeah give you time to plan, yep. and instead of react to something that is too late, that mm-hmm. you're maybe maybe the schedule's all of a sudden booming. You don't have enough guys to fulfill the work, or yep. the opposite. You don't. Yep. You have too many guys and not enough work yeah but if you're able to plan instead of react yep i mean that that's a great analogy I, I really like that yeah and so from a general sense you you see seasonal ebb and flow so we've been tracking now and so ladies and gentlemen fans of the fab lab podcast i'm, I'm going to try and describe our we have a daily sales report now and we track our, from a quote standpoint we got three tabs on our daily sales report and so the first tab is the five week forecast it shows our daily dollar demand every week for five weeks out, current and then four weeks. So that's telling us what do we got to do in the sales department to fill the schedule to meet our daily dollar demand to generate the dollars we need to be successful. So that's the focus for the sales department, the urgency. We got to close sales, we got to schedule them, and we got to put them on the calendar. Then we show the quote volume. What is our quote volume? So we track two elements of our quote volume, and they're in a sense broken down between our retail and our contractor because they're quoted slightly differently, different pricing. But we like to keep track of them separately because things ebb and flow. So we've got two columns, retail and contractor or wholesale for our business. Then we track two aspects of that. We track the total number of daily, the daily dollar demand, the total dollars quoted, and then we keep track of the number of jobs we've quoted in that calendar month. And so in any given month now, I can look back all the way to, I think it was about May of 2008. So what is that? That's 11 years. 11 and a half years now. Yeah. We've, and what, how, you got 12 months in a, in a calendar. So I had a, was that 150 months approximately? Yeah. So I can go back and look at every November for the last 11 and a half years. I can see the breakdown. What were the total dollars quoted, just overall, and I can see the number of jobs that we quoted in November 
for the, for 11 and a half years. So that gives me a sense. And, and same thing is true for December and January. Oh, and October and September too. So what that has allowed us to do is to develop a sense, a pretty good idea of what our seasonal, you asked me about our sales cycle. Mm-hmm. Well, keeping track of that has allowed us to understand what our sales cycle is. Have the, has that allowed you to predict uh, pretty pretty reasonably it it does and it affects this i wouldn't say you know predicting and and probably a crystal ball is not the best analogy (laughs) but you get the idea sense yeah because sometimes there's a seasonality and just like here in the northwest and we had this amazingly rainy summer and fall i mean august september and october were ungodly rainy which should be you know compared to what we normally have well then we had a really dry november so the, the seasons mm-hmm. don't follow the calendar, you know, to a mm-hmm. T, but there's a seasonality mm-hmm. to them. There's an ebb and flow. And so I would, I would answer that two ways. When things don't quite materialize like we expect them, we can start looking back and go, okay, this is a little bit off. What's mm-hmm. going on with quote volume? Is, is it delayed? We typically see a surge after Labor Day, September into October. We typically see a little surge heading into the fall for Thanksgiving because we're largely retail. So there's been enough of a history to get a general sense of what we can expect. And so when that doesn't happen, there's a, it's a red flag. It's like, okay, it's time to start paying more attention than we were. We're looking five weeks down at the calendar. Let's look at quote volume. Let's start tracking this. Do we need to do something else? Do we need to bump some of our advertising? Do we need to be, do we need to be aware maybe what's happening? Gives you time to make an adjustment before... You're reacting right. to something. It, it's that awareness. Mm-hmm. It's that leading indicator that's telling us, good or bad, like, mm-hmm. holy cow, quote volume is going freaking crazy. Now, did it just happen a little bit early? I mean, is there something going on here? What what explains this? And hey, is it sustainable? Is this just a, a blip on the radar? Okay, yeah, that only happened. That was like a two-week blip out of the blue. So we've had those anomaly months where it spiked. We had an anomaly month in May where it just collapsed mm-hmm. out of the blue. And we knew <laughs> we were going to suffer from an install standpoint. And our June was a very disappointing month. Um, and, and, it, and it blipped so fast, it wasn't, it didn't continue. Had that continued, we would have said, hey, you know, a blip, that's a blip. Two blips, that's a pattern. Mm. It's time to start considering how are we going to cut costs if something that we can't explain has changed at that front site. It gives us that advanced warning. Kind of like a forecast, like if you see a storm coming or if you see sunny skies are coming. Yep. Being able to adapt, whether you're putting on a rain jacket or you're putting on your flip-flops, yeah, yeah. Um, just to be prepared, yep. will we'll set you up for... And, and that's a great analogy. It, the, the weather forecasts, at least in the Northwest, are, are famously <laughs> inaccurate. But at least you can be prepared. Yeah. So I got my... My rain jacket, my umbrella, and my you know my flip flops in the car because you don't know. Yeah, it's it's that unpredictable. But at least you've got a sense, and so that's from a general sense. You know, tracking your quote volume and how we quote it, or how we track our quotes, number of quotes we've done in the calendar month. It's in an Excel spreadsheet that we just our sales or our estimator fills this out every day. So every day she sends out the the sales report from the previous day. It's this running tally at the end of the month. A new month begins and we start over. And then we have this log. If you look in our quote volume tab, it goes back to May of 2008. Then I can see the seasonal ebb and flow where there's a general. It picks up. It starts to slow down in the middle of the summer, 
picks up. We typically have kind of a crummy December, January, and February. Sometimes they're okay. Last year it was great. It surprised us. It was a fantastic winter. But you know what? Our quote volume indicated what it was going to look like. We were able to have a decent sense. Same thing is true. You might be thinking you're just absolutely slammed in the fall. Absolutely slammed. If you're just going off of what your calendar is at the moment, you're not looking at quote volume. Man, we got to hire more people. Okay, let's hire more people. Let's take on the more work. Well, then the curve turns the other direction mm. and, and the ebb mm-hmm. <laughs> follows the flow, if you will. Oh, shoot, you just brought on staff where if you'd been tracking your quote volume, you would have seen that same sort of bell curve mm-hmm. in your quotes, which means your sales are going to follow that. Gosh, if you're just going off of what your sales are at the moment, who knows what that is going to do. And so that's the value of having, you know, that 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 mindset where you're tracking quote volume and beginning to build your own database. You're beginning to build your own weather patterns. There's hurricane season down in the, the Virgin Islands. Yeah. It's August, September, and October. You don't sail <laughs> down there. because Now, is there a hurricane that, that wipes the place out every year? No. no. But there's been enough tracking over the decades where they are pretty good chance if you know if you avoid the area during that season you got no problems the same thing is true with tracking your quote volume and then on the micro level so when it comes to hiring gosh if we have a an anomaly month okay do we either do something to boost quote volume or now we start talking hey guys we know our quote volume was way off this month which means most likely we're already probably starting to see our sales reflected in that which means the calendar is going to ultimately follow that. And so are we going to be overstaffed? Most of the, the, the I, I hate to do hiring and firing for lack of a better mm. term, is always delayed. It's always too late. Yeah. It's always after the excess, the excess costs have negatively impacted the, the bottom line. Where, you know, the P&L is a lagging indicator. We don't get a, a P&L, our financial statements, Profit and loss, balance sheet, and statement of cash flows until about the third week of the following month. So if I'm going off of that and I realize, shoot, October we had a loss because our sales were off, but my I didn't have I didn't lay anybody off to get my cost in line with my sales or what we ultimately scheduled, my daily dollar demand suffered. Well now we're already three weeks into November, which means if things haven't changed, I've suffered another three weeks of losses before I have the the view of my reality to make decisions off of. And so if you're operating off of your checkbook, operating off of your P&L, that's what happened last month. Quote volume is telling you what's going to happen next month and the month after, which gives you time to make those adjustments. Because I imagine, I know for myself, if I have to make a decision... And I got to make it like right now with the, all the other pressures and just mm-hmm. the, you're, you're not thinking clearly. You yep. Maybe you're not going to make the, the best decision you could yep. given if you had maybe a couple months to actually plan. Yeah. Like, all right, let's strategize. Let's get a, yep. figure what pieces we can adjust and adapt. So when that good or bad storm comes, yep. um, you're able to weather it. Yeah. And I, and I, you know, that's a great point. A cut, cut brings a couple of things to mind number one i would typically if i'm confronted with that sort of out of the blue shoot we got to cut costs i will typically gravitate if you look at history (laughs) i will i will err on the side of hopefulness well maybe things will turn around let's let's delay this cost cutting measure another week 
Well, shoot, depending on what your payroll is, you're just digging the hole deeper. So that's going to be my tendency if I if I hear if I experience that after the fact. It's just can I can I delay the awkwardness of this unpleasant experience, hoping that maybe things turn around and change in the next week or two? Because if you had to make a decision on emotion versus fact, mm-hmm. I mean, by the time it gets to that point where you got that pressure, you're looking at things trying to process, but that emotion yep. of panic and frustration or, or just yep. analyzing everything, it yep. you won't be in that spot making an emotional decision. Yeah. Uh, Versus being able to make one that's analytic, look at the um, the stats, the 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 leads that are come in, and be like, all right, yeah. this is what's coming. This is how I'm going to plan. Yeah, and, and you, it's no surprise. Yeah, and you can be objective. And so, from a personal standpoint, yeah. you know, it gives you personally, owner, fellow, you know, stone shop owner, it gives you that that space to sleep on it a couple of nights. Yeah, review yeah. the numbers. Am I missing something here? I don't want to make a rash decision. Yeah, yeah. If if maybe something wasn't included or, you know, a mistake was made in the reporting or whatever it is, but also to get comfortable with reality mm-hmm. before you actually have to. And, and the same thing is true for your team. They're going to be even more caught off guard because no matter how much warning you've had, it's more warning than your team is going to have. Mm-hmm. And any time you have to lay somebody off, it's a shock to the system. It's what does this mean for me, even though they may not have – there may be – Zero likelihood that the rest of the team is going to be laid off. Maybe you lay off a couple of people heading into winter. You've had an off month. You know, shoot, I don't know what happened. We gotta, we gotta, we gotta adjust. Everybody else is thinking, "Am I next?" Mm-hmm. You know, we've had that conversation a couple of times here on the Fab Lab podcast, and so it it gives your team some time to digest what you're thinking, guys. We got to talk about this. Got quote volume just went off a cliff last month, or it's it's we've had two months where it's been really soft. Which means this coming month, I mean, it's already reflected in the calendar, and we can hope against hope that just something falls into our lap. But to your point about being more logical, more objective, looking at the data, that that allows you to then, when you make those decisions, it's not a knee-jerk reaction. It's not an emotional decision. It's not a fear-based decision. It's a, hey, this is what an executive does. This is what a CEO does. This is what a an accomplished leader manager does they make decisions based off the information that they've got may not be a nice decision um and, and it can be it can also be god quote volume we're just killing it man we got these three accounts that are just they're super busy and they're telling us that this is going to continue okay that might be sustainable let's hire some people to be ready for the increased demand it cuts both ways because you can as the owner those decisions are big and they'll sit better with you when yep. you have to make them. Yep. If you're like, oh, we got to hire somebody? Is that a question? <laughs> you know, are we bringing more people on? And Versus if you have that information, like, we are hiring somebody. Yep. Or the opposite side, it's like, hey, this is why we have to make these decisions. Yep. It'll sit better with you. You might it might not like it, but yep. it'll sit better with you. Yeah, and at least, you know it's the right choice. Yeah, and, and you, you have that conversation. Uh, guys, I mean, I'm going to share the information I'm mm-hmm. looking at. With you, the quote volume is is up or down. It, it just it is what it is. So I mean, let's look at it together. I, why? I may not be able to explain the why behind it, but I can, but I can face the reality of it. And 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 that's easier for people to digest. Yeah, yeah I, I, mm-hmm. I, that's, well, I guess. What other decision do we have? I, you know, yeah. way back when I told a story. I don't remember what episode this was, but it's why I need coaches, counselors, and mentors. Oh, yeah. I tell the story of a layoff we had after the, the train wreck. Mm-hmm. 
And we brought our department managers in and shared the information with them and asked them, what do you think we should do? That was the recommendation from my, my, my coach. Uh, and what's interesting is they came to the same conclusion. They said, well, I don't know what else we can do, but we got to, we're going to have to lay some staff off. And, and it all of a sudden, it wasn't me telling them mm-hmm. that I've did, made the decision. It's like they concluded the same thing. It's just it's just it's fact. They came to the same, <laughs> which when you now then when we had to go carry that out, we had to lay off everything that equated about one person in every department of the company. I think we laid off four or five people, and they had to lay the people off in their departments. Mm-hmm. Yeah, not fun. <laughs> no. um, I had to lay the GM off. That was like the, the worst of the worst. But when you when you when you're when you're working off of information and data, i.e., coming back to this idea of tracking your quote volume and your quote volume being that leading indicator. It, it, you, you, you can make those kind of decisions. It's not shooting from the hip. And I think that's really the difference when we talk about the business side of the stone shop, when you're talking about making that either the transition or just being aware that, hey, if you got a saw in a shop and employees and an install crew and customers, you have a business. <laughs> you're leading a business and you got to adopt the idea that you are a CEO and a leader and the way that you can make those kind of decisions, whether you've got two employees or 20 Tracking your quote volume and your ultimately your sales and managing the schedule, that's a huge differentiating factor between a quote-unquote fabricator who's flying by the seat of his pants, ebb and flow, feast or famine, panicked, working long hours, getting the jobs done, and then all of a sudden the jobs are done and you're standing around going, ah, oh, crap, i got to figure out how to get more work on this schedule. It's this, as opposed to being more methodical, more logical and how you track the information and and evaluate it and then make decisions based on it it's not a perfect it's just like it's like predicting the weather here in the northwest it's not a science per se um where your data just because you had a november december january last year does not mean that's the month you're going to have this year but if there's a deviation it's it's it helps you to seek okay i'm getting this advanced notification a blip just came up on the radar. The canary just fell over in the cage. Uh, I th- I don't know what that's telling us, but it's telling us something. <laughs> Time to grab your lunchbox. Let's hightail it out of here until, you know, we can kind of assess what's going on and then return to, you know, normal business. And so, yeah, track and quote volume is... Uh, well, those couple steps are, are gigantic steps. Like mm-hmm. the, the car analogy, it's like being able to see just a few in front of you, that can make a difference of... All the difference. Uh, it can cases. really make all the difference. Yeah. Uh, so it, if you're a stone shop owner and, and you haven't been doing it, it sounds like it's a must, it is a must to be tracking your quote volume. Yep. And the more, the longer you do it, the more information you have, the better you can help predict Yeah. Uh, yeah. What, what your next season will look like. Great point. Absolutely great point. So that's, you know, that's really the essence of it. I think we've, we've, we've covered this thoroughly. So ladies and gentlemen, fans, friends, followers of the Fab Lab podcast, um, this is Meat and Potatoes following on Jeffrey Grand's interview and that great sales insight we had in the last episode. We're going to continue down this path of the focus on sales. And I want to just mention a couple of things. If you've got questions about this topic, Head on over to AaronCrowley.com. You can connect with me. We've got a new option for, uh, if you want to just send me an email, if you got questions about this, if you'd like, God, I just didn't quite you know, understand what you were getting at or there was a facet of this conversation, you'd like a little bit more insight, just shoot me an email. 
I'll email you back and I'll do my best to answer you know any questions that you've got about this topic or any other topic. But in the vein of this sales series that we're gonna kind of just we're gonna pursue, we've also got a fantastic sales seminar. We put together a three video. It's completely free. A three-video seminar on what we call radical retail sales and the huge profit potential that exists doing direct-to-consumer countertop work. And so you can also go to Aaron Crowley. If you look at the top of the homepage, top of the right-hand side, there's a blue button that says Sales Seminar. Click that button. You fill out the form and the system will automatically email you those three videos. And so if you're interested in, in learning how to increase your retail sales and the profit potential that exists there, just head on over to AaronCrowley.com. Fill out that form and you can get those three free videos. So, Wes, it's been a fantastic topic. Oh, I really enjoyed it and I, th- I think it's one that will relate with the listener as well. Yeah, and I'll just say this right now. Well done. <laughs> Coming out of left field right out of the gate with those questions, I was not expecting that. But I, uh, I appreciate that insight. So that was, um, that was really helpful and, and it just helped to illuminate this issue uh, even further. So thank you. Oh, yeah. It was a great episode. Enjoyed oh. it. Fantastic. Well, ladies and gentlemen, until next time, happy fabricating. Boom.